0: This is our blessed hope. We will see him. What a day that will be when our Savior's face we shall see. And that is indeed our blessed hope. One of my favorite stories is about a parakeet named Chippy. And I'll just tell you the story. Chippy was uh, just a happy parakeet. Life was good. In fact, he was just peacefully perched in his pen, singing away. But then something happened and he never knew what hit him. It all began when Chippy's owner decided to clean the cage out with the vacuum cleaner. She pulled the attachment off the end of the hose and put it in the pen. And things were going well at first, but then the phone rang, and so she turned to pick up the phone. And that was when she heard this strange sound. She dropped the phone, gasped for breath, turned around, and Chippy was gone. She dropped the hose, turned the vacuum cleaner off, opened it up, tore the bag open, and there was Chippy. Stunned, but still alive. But because Chippy was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him up, rushed to the bathroom, and turned the water on and stuck him under the water only to realize, in just a short time, that Chippy was cold and shivering. So she did what any compassionate pet owner would do. She grabbed the hairdryer and blasted him with hot air. Chippy never knew what hit him. One moment, peacefully perched in the pen. The next moment, sucked in, washed over and blown away. The rest of the story, I will just read to you. A few days after the trauma, the reporter who had initially written about the event contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits there and stares. Now, with that in mind, I want to ask you a question, and and I'd like for you to try to be honest. How are you doing? Really, how are you doing? Can Can you honestly say that the joy of the Lord is your strength? Can you say that throughout the day, you have so much joy that it gives you strength to carry on, to keep on going, and to Keep celebrating your faith. Are you singing and celebrating what God has done in your life? Can you honestly say today, I'm not, we know what the scripture says. We even know how to memorize scripture, but is is it a reality in your life? Can you honestly say that I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me and gave himself for me and I'm living in victory today? Now, here's what I know. I know that there are many in this worship center today who can say yes. Yes. To all of these questions, because you know you're saved. You love the Bible. You're hungry for the things of God. And your faith, hope, and trust is in Jesus and him alone. But at the same time, I know that life has a way of overwhelming us. Life has a way of stealing our joy and leaving us stunned. The enemy has a way of getting to us, and he can do a number on us. But what does the Bible say about us? What should our lives look like? It's just one scripture but boy, it's powerful. First Peter 1.8 says, you believe in him. Do you believe in him? Let me see your hand. Come on. Do you believe in him? All right. You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. <laughs> My joy level just went up a little bit. Wow. Isn't that amazing scripture that God wants you to have as a believer? Because you believe in his son. He wants you to have an inexpressible joy. That means that you have joy that you can't even put in words. You you, you can't even explain why and how you feel the way you feel and what's going on in your life. And not only that, not just inexpressible joy but filled with glory, filled with glory. That's what God wants for us. And I'm convinced that many Christians, myself included, that we live on a much lower level than God ever had in mind for us. He did not send his son from glory to, to live a sinless life and die a cruel death on the cross and shed his blood so we could live mundane lives. But many times we let the enemy steal from us and take from us that which God had in mind for us. I want to share with you three things today. These three things, I hope you'll write them down. They're real simple. But there are three things I want you to know. And I'm I'm not talking about just with your head, but know with your whole being. That if you will know these things and they become a part of your spiritual DNA, who you are every day of your life. I'm telling you, you can get to a place where there's joy and you can't even explain it, where there's glory all around you. Now, the first one is just this. Know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. That's number one. You can't bypass that, can you? I'm talking about coming to a place in your life where you absolutely, positively, beyond any shadow of a doubt, you know that Jesus is in your heart, that you've been born again, that you've had a life-changing experience. I'm not talking about hoping that you're saved. I'm talking about knowing that you're saved. Until you can nail that down, you can't move forward. You're going to be in a one-dimensional cycle your whole life trying to figure out whether you're saved or not. So number one is just make absolutely sure that Jesus lives in your heart and that you've had a born-again experience. Some years ago, I felt led of the Lord to visit a man that lived only a few miles from here. He's in heaven now but I went to visit him and to be honest with you, I was a little bit intimidated uh, by him and I was nervous, but the Lord told me to go and to share the plan of salvation with him. And so I went to his house. His wife told me he was in the backyard. He was sitting at a picnic table. I went back and sat with him and I said, the Lord told me to come talk to you. He said, okay. I said, I want to share with you the plan of salvation. Is that okay? He said, yes. And so I just probably uh, was too nervous to slow down. I mean, I just went right through the plan of salvation. And when I got all the way through the plan of salvation, I said, would you like to pray and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said, yes. So I said, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and you're going to pray this prayer and Jesus is going to save your soul. He said, okay. I led him in the prayer. He prayed the prayer. When it was all over with, I was smiling from ear to ear. I stood up. I hugged his neck. I said, congratulations. Welcome to the family. He said, thank you for coming. I left. The next Sunday, he showed up in church. I gave the invitation. He walked down the aisle. Man, this is working the way it should work. I stood before the congregation and I was so proud. And I said, I stopped by his house. I shared with him the plan of salvation. He prayed the sinner's prayer. He trusted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he got saved right then and there. I was with him when he got saved. He just reached over and took the mic out of my hand. He said, you weren't with me when I got saved. I'm on the spot. I said, I turned to him. I mean, we're having a conversation in front of the whole uh, congregation. And I said, I went by your house. I shared with you the plan of salvation. He said, yeah, you did. I said, and I led you in the sinner's prayer. He said, yes, you did. I said, and you, you asked Jesus to come into your heart. He said, yes, I did. But I didn't get saved then. I said, okay, are you saved? He said, oh, yeah. I'm saved. And uh, I said, well, when did you get saved? And he said, about an hour after you left. He said, you got me started. But he said, I sat at that picnic table and kept praying because I didn't feel much of anything happening at that moment. But I kept praying and I kept repenting and I kept calling on the Lord. And he said, about an hour later, I had an amazing experience with God. And the Lord Jesus came into my heart and became my Savior. I tell you that story today because I want you to understand a prayer will not save you. Baptism will not save you. Church attendance will not save you. You can, you can be faithful in your attendance. You can tithe. You can do all those things. The only thing that will save you is for you to have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ that's so radical, so dramatic, that the Bible defines it as a born-again experience. I can almost guarantee you there are some here today who think they're saved. They hope they're saved. Thinking so and hoping so is not good enough. I I want to tell you, I'll pray with you. Others will pray with you. We'll help you. But the point is, is you need to go after God and get before the Lord until you come to the place where Jesus comes into your heart. And you have an experience with Jesus that no man alive can talk you out of. Number one, make sure that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Point number two, know that the Bible is your blueprint for life. The Bible teaches us how to live. It gives us the do's and don'ts. It's the instruction manual for building a good and godly life. The kind of good and godly life that'll bring you to the place where you have such joy you can't even put it in words. The Bible does that. Every now and then I hear something and it sounds so good, but I cringe when I hear it. It, it, it just bothers me. And this is what I'll hear. I even hear preachers and teachers say this sometimes. All you have to do is just turn everything over to Jesus. You don't have to do a thing. You just turn it over to Jesus. He takes care of it all. Now, friends, that sounds good. That'll tickle our ears because it somehow takes all the responsibility off of us. But when people preach that and teach that, I wonder... What kind of Bible are they reading? You see, your Bible and my Bible is jam-packed with things we have to do, things we must do, things that are requirements and prerequisites to getting to a place where the joy of the Lord and the glory of God is just all around us. The Bible says we're responsible. Listen, if you want to live a successful Christian life, if you want to live a God-honoring life, if you want to live a life that you can't even explain how things are going on like they are in your life, then friends, there are some things you have to do. I'm telling you, the Lord will help you. The Lord will teach you. The Lord will even bring people alongside of you to work with you and to encourage you and to push you down the right path. But you have to do it. You have to do it. Just think about some of the stuff the Bible says. What if you took this theology? I don't have to do anything. i just turn everything over to the Lord. What if you took that theology to the Bible? The Bible says that we have to love one another. Well, what if somebody says, I just don't want to love they're not very lovable. I don't want to love them. So Lord, I'm going to just turn them over to you. I'm going to turn this over to you. If you want to love them, you love them. But I, I don't have to do anything. I, my preacher told me I didn't have to do anything. I live by grace. It's all you. It's none of me. Now, grace is wonderful. And I know we're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But once you get saved, you're just getting started. And the Bible is your blueprint. And you get in the Bible and you follow it and you do what it says do. Every now and then I run into somebody who, who's a, uh, I call them go it alone Christians. They don't like church. They don't like the singing. They especially don't like the preacher. And the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's what the Bible says. But if you take this theology, you can say, you know what? I can go to my, my boat or I can go to my deer stand or, or I can work in my garden. You know, I don't have to do anything. I just turn it over to the Lord. Lord, if you want to go to church with those folks, you go down there. Because it's all you and none of me. I don't have to do anything. Are you beginning to see how ridiculous this is? We have responsibility. We have obligations. We have to pray for one another. We have to share our faith. We have to forgive those who have hurt us and sinned against us, all of them. We have to forget We have to be generous. We have to be givers. All I 'm doing is just going down the line of the blueprint that's been given to us. These are things we have to do. We have to say no to fleshly lust. We have to say no to things like Anger and vulgarity and lying and stealing and laziness and pride and arrogance. We have to say no to sin. And the Bible tells us the things that are sin. We have to say if there's, if there's one statement in the Bible that sums it all up, it's this. The, the Bible tells us that we can't just be hearers of the word, but be what? Doers of the word. It's not enough for me to preach it to you. It's not enough for you to hear it from me. It's not enough to sit under a teacher, memorize it, or anything else you want to do. It comes down to where the rubber hits the road. You actually have to do it. You pick up the Bible. I don't have to do anything Christianity is not even close to being biblical. That's not even close. If a man would be a soldier, he'd expect, of course, to fight. And he couldn't be an author if he didn't try to write. If a man would be a hunter, he must go among the trees, and he couldn't be a sailor if he wouldn't sail the seas. So it isn't common logic, doesn't have a real true ring, that a man to be a Christian doesn't have to do a thing. Come on. Come on. You see, the the first right thing that you do is you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you pursue that and you repent and you get before God until he comes in and changes your life. And the next right thing you do is you pick up the blueprint and you start living by that blueprint. You do what it says do. Now, somebody will always shout legalism. Oh, that's legalism. Oh, now we're getting legalistic. No, we're not. It's just common sense. Is a contractor, is a builder being legalistic when he builds the house according to the blueprint? Or is he just trying to do what he needs to do to make it something beautiful and comfortable and something he can be proud of? Oh, I'm, t- I'm telling you. I'm telling you this morning, we have a blueprint. Know that you have a Savior. And know that you have a blueprint and get in the Bible. Listen, if you don't know it that well, even if you do know it that well, I come to Bible study every week. I sit under a Bible study teacher. I I can't overemphasize how important it is to get in the word of God. That's two. Ready for number three? This is going to be good. know that Jesus is your savior know that the bible is your blueprint and know that you have authority over the enemy uh, last week i talked to you about taking off the blindfold waking up to the fact that we're up against a very real enemy unseen but very real he's deadly he's dangerous he's destructive and he's relentless He just keeps coming at you. He just keeps coming at your children. He keeps coming at your marriage. He keeps coming after your finances. He keeps coming after your health. He just keeps coming at you. And we need to take the blindfold off. We need to wake up to the fact that we have a real enemy. And if you think I'm exaggerating, then I want to refer you back to the word of God. The Bible says he's a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says he has one mission, and that is to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says he's the enemy of all righteousness. The moment you decide to walk down a righteous path, you have an arch enemy. You have an antagonist. You have someone who's going to try to trip you up every step of the way. I see it all the time. I see people this is this is amazing to me. I'll see somebody walk down the aisle and and get saved, give their heart to Jesus, and the next week somebody offers them a job with more money, but they have to work on Sunday. So the enemy just strategically pulls them away from the body. You hear what I'm saying? Oh, listen, the Bible says we're in a warfare. The Bible says we have weapons of war. The the Bible says that we're in a battle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Do you know what that means? That means the very atmosphere is filled with evil. This sounds ominous, doesn't it? But God has given us authority over all that darkness. Yeah. You, you 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 may think I don't have authority. Yes, you do. When you got saved, when the blood of Jesus washed you. And made you a new creature. It's part of your birthright. You have authority over the enemy. Here it is. I'll read it to you if I can find it. Luke 10:19 and 20, "Behold, I have given you what? Authority. authority. And it's important to note that Jesus is not saying this to the original 12 apostles. I think we would all agree that they lived on a level much higher than us. They had an authority that supersedes our authority, but he wasn't talking to the original 12. By the time Jesus said this, the disciples had grown from 12 to 70. And so this is second generation, if you please. And and, and he's talking to these 70 that have gone out. And they come back amazed at how much authority and power they have. And listen, he says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that, say it with me, the spirits are subject to you. I guarantee you there are people here. I'm so glad you're here. Man, this is such a beautiful congregation, but I guarantee you there are people in this congregation right now and there are spirits that are dogging you right now. There are spirits that are coming against you. There are spirits that are trying to steal your joy. They don't want you to have inexpressible joy. And what you need to hear from me, from your pastor, from spiritual leaders is this. God has given us authority. The spirits are subject. To you. Now, it's also important to understand the difference between authority and power. Demons are powerful, uh, amazingly beyond our uh, comprehension. They're powerful, but we have authority over them. There's a difference between authority and power. I'm going to ask uh, Officer Andrew Addington to come to the stage. By the way, would you just join me? Don't don't we just don't we love our officers here? Stand right here, just facing me. You can just, you can, you can face me All right. now. I, I I'm going to, I'm about to share something with you and you're never going to forget this. In fact, you're going to be reminded of it every Sunday, as long as you come to this church, you ready? Every Sunday, you'll be reminded of this. And every Sunday, you're going to have a reminder of what authority is and power is now, Andrew. He's a big guy. There's nothing wimpy about him. He's, he's strong. But I can tell you in just a few minutes, he's going to do something that's absolutely amazing. He's going to step out in that road and cars are going to be coming. And what do you do when you want them to stop? That's all he does. He doesn't beg. He doesn't plead. and they stop. Now, listen to this. I know he's strong and confident, but he's no match for a two or 3,000 pound vehicle, is he? That vehicle could just run over him. But there's something that gives him authority. And it's this uniform that he's wearing, not to mention a gun if there's one around there somewhere. (laughs) That uniform says that there are some higher-ups behind him that have put their approval on him. And they know that if they violate this authority that's been given to him, that they will have to deal not with him. They'll have to deal with the sheriff. They'll have to deal with the judge. They'll have to deal with the magistrates. They will have to deal with the authority. I mean, the power behind the authority. Do you want? You understand that when you're up against the enemy, he's stronger than you, but Jesus has given you authority and you can use that authority. And I actually do this sometimes when I sense the devil slipping up on me, I go. (laughs) The devil understands sign language. I'm confident of that. And so, so in a little while you're going to go to pull out this parking lot and you're going to see Andrew out there and he's exercising that authority. I want you to be reminded every Sunday that you drive out of this parking lot, that God expects you to exercise your authority. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. I appreciate you being here. Now, I want to encourage you to do something when you read your Bible. Read every word. Don't miss anything. There's something very important when we start talking about demons and, and spiritual warfare and the demonic and dealing with the devil. There's something we need to see, and it's right here in the text I just read. I'm going to read it again. Here we go. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Here it is. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Isn't that strange? That we have we have authority over demonic forces. The spirits are subject to us. We can get them out of our homes and off of our children. We can constantly, and we should be driving them back. But Jesus said, you cannot rejoice about that. This is what you rejoice in, that your name is written in heaven. Your name is written in heaven. Now, what is Jesus saying here? What's the point? Here's the point. Darkness can never be our focus. He gives us authority to deal with darkness, but it can never be our focus. The light and love of God has to be our focus. And God's given us authority to deal with the enemy when he shows up. I was hesitant about saying this, but I asked Brother Charles. And so if you don't like this, (laughs) Brother Charles, my counselor down front, kind of gave me a thumbs up on this. Please listen up. There's one thing we don't ever want in this church. We don't ever want demon hunters in this church. We don't ever want one person in this church to become a demon hunter or to feel like that they have been appointed by God to point out all the demons and always casting. We, every time I've ever been in a church, I had a demon hunter. They ended up doing more damage than good. We don't want one demon hunter in this church. We want God chasers in this church who keep going after God. And when the enemy shows up and he will show up, you just keep chasing after God, use your authority, drive back the powers of the enemy, resist the devil and he'll flee from you and just keep going after God. Our focus always has to be the light, not darkness. Don't don't get infatuated with the darkness. Don't do that. I I have something else I want to share with you, because in fact, I have so much. I just, it would take me hours. So you don't rejoice in your authority. And here's something else I want to share with you. Don't assume that because something happens in your life that's unpleasant or difficult or hard. Don't assume that that's always, just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's the devil. Sometimes it's God. Sometimes the Lord himself will lead you through a valley. He'll even put you in a dark place because he knows that you'll shine the light. Help somebody else out. I learned this a while back. Um, uh, Probably 10 years ago, I had surgery, had cancer surgery. My cancer came back. So three or four years ago, uh, I had to go through radiation and I think I went through 36 days of radiation and I'm just, I I was really discouraged. I really was. I'm serious. I got to go through radiation And, and, and I get up there, they got everything ready. I got up there and the first day I got up there, this guy hands me a gown, says go in that room, take everything off, put this gown on. And then go in that room, pointed to a room. I thought, oh. Is there anybody here who likes those hospital gowns? Man, I believe a demon designed those. I really do. I believe a demon designed those hospital gowns. I I heard somebody say one time, they say, Now I know why they call it ICU. I put that gown on and I I tied it the best I could. And then I grab it back here to hold it together because I didn't want somebody to see me between the room where I changed and the room where I had to go. And when I walked in that room, there's about 15 people sitting in that room and they all had gowns on. And I am sitting there humiliated, feeling dejected. Where are you, God? Why are you doing this to me? Why am I here? And for about three days, I had a pity party because I was going back and forth. Oh, I was just so defeated. And then this happened to me. The thought came to my mind. How do you know that this is the enemy? And how do you know God has forsaken you? And sometimes I can't tell the difference between the Holy Spirit and an unholy spirit. I know that may sound strange to you. But sometimes I just have to say I reject every foul, ugly, evil spirit and I accept the Holy Spirit. If you don't know where it's coming from, just reject evil, submit to good and godliness. And I started praying one day and it hit me. Maybe the enemy didn't put me here. Maybe the Lord put me here. Maybe he's got a mission for me. Maybe he's got a ministry. I knew what I would do immediately. When I got home that day, I got me a big old bag of those crosses. And the next day I went up there and I got my gown on, but I took my crosses with me. And that's kind of hard because you got to hold a gown back here and you got to hold the crosses. And I started walking around giving crosses to everybody in that room saying, Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus loves you. He wants to save you. And, and I got where people would actually come. Do you have any more of those crosses? Yep, got them right here. <laughs> I was like a one-armed man. I Yep, got, a, got them right here. And I give those crosses out. In fact, when I got in to see my doctor, my oncologist, I gave him a cross. And I started ministering to him. And then one day I went in and I said, are you wearing that cross I gave you? He said, no, I'm not. I said, why aren't you wearing the cross? Didn't I give you a cross? Shouldn't you be wearing the cross? He said, well, I was wearing it. I said, well, why'd you take it off? He said, I had a patient that was dying. And I thought he needed it more than I did. And he actually gave me the motions. He said, I took that cross off and I put it on my patient. Ah." Oh. I I was the delivery boy, if you please. Uh, Listen, I was walking around that room one day and and I was giving crosses and everybody was taking them and saying, thank you. And I went by this one guy and he looked real gruff. And I said, sir, could I give you a cross? He said, no. I said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. And then I went to the next. (laughs) I gave a lady a cross, just a a cross, right across. That's hard to say. Cross, right across. I gave... (laughs) I gave that lady and she jumped up and hugs my neck. Oh, thank you. I can't tell you how much this means to me. And I went all the way around that room. And when I was going back to my seat, he reaches up and grabs me by the arm. When I go by, he said, I've changed my mind. Can I have a cross? And I know of at least one lady that was there And I gave her a cross And I prayed with her and ministered to her And she went home to glory Not long after that Maybe God put me there In a dark spot in my mind Because he wanted a light In the midst of that darkness I'm just trying to tell you Don't try to figure everything out Just keep submitting to the Holy One Keep rejecting evil Keep chasing after God and let God use you. I tell you, when I look back on that radiation experience, I don't look back with shame and humility. I look back with a smile on my face. I want to ask you to pray a prayer with me today. Can we just pull it up on the screen? We call it the miracle prayer. Here's what I want to tell you about this prayer. And that is that if you'll pray this prayer. i By the way, I pray this prayer almost every day of my life. Where I kneel and pray, I have it right up on the wall. And I pray this prayer. If you're not sure of your salvation, this is a first step in the right direction. But there's something in this prayer I want you to see. But I want us to read it together. And we'll stop a couple times. But would you would you read with me? Lord Jesus... I come before you just as I am. I am sorry for my sins. I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. In your name, I forgive all others for what they have done against me. I renounce Satan, the evil spirit, and all their works. Let's stop right there. I pray this prayer daily. And when I get to this part, I renounce Satan, the evil spirits and all their works. I try to get real sensitive to the Holy spirit. I pray over my children. I pray over my grandchildren. I pray over you. I pray over the staff. I pray over the board. And, and, and let me tell you something. There's some good stuff going on in this church and, and our board members are going after God. And we've got teachers, and I've never been in a church where so many people love the Lord and are going after God. I'm telling you, we're making the devil mad. And I want to be part of your defense. And, and, and I want you to be part of my defense. I want you to be rebuking the enemy on, on my behalf. I want you to be saying, take your hands off our pastor. He's old and weak and he needs help. I I want you to be praying for me. I'm praying for you. But I pause right here and I exercise my authority. Now, is there a right way to do it? I don't, I don't think, I think you just do it. The Bible just says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And so there it is. I renounce Satan The evil spirits and all their works. Let's pick up right there. I give you my entire self, Lord Jesus, now and forever. I invite you into my life, Jesus. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Heal me, change me, strengthen me in body, soul, and spirit. I love this part. Come, Lord Jesus, cover me with your precious blood. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. I love you, Lord Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I shall follow you every day of my life. Amen. I want to tell you, by the way, you can find that prayer on our app. If you you go to ROL Crawfordville. Isn't it time that we make absolutely sure that we've been born again? Solved once and for all. I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. Isn't it it time for us to pick up our Bibles again and read like we've never read before? This is my blueprint for life. And isn't it time for us to identify an enemy? And say, no. I'm taking authority. I reject that. In the name of Jesus. Would you bow with me? Father. Uh, Bless us as we make decisions at this time If there are those who need to join this church I pray that today will be the day I pray Father That if there are those who need to say yes to you and, And trust you as Lord and Savior That this is salvation day This is the day of conversion I pray Lord That will happen I pray Father that you will turn our attention To your word like never before Oh Lord And Father I pray that a holy boldness Uh, will well up within us as we begin to step into the authority that you have given to us that we can drive back the enemy the opposing powers of the enemy and I pray that great victories will come out of this service today in Jesus name Amen Thank you again for watching our message from River of Life If this message has touched you today or if you need someone to pray with contact our office at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at We also want to encourage you to visit us Sunday mornings at 1030 or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit us at rlconfigure.com for more information.